Good evening. It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, May 20th, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. The governor says that the Golden State has a cash surplus that's larger than the entire budget of all but three other states. But the legislative analyst's office says the surplus is much less. Tonight's California report explains the discrepancy. After a brief look at local headlines and regional weather, we'll listen to Hospitality House's needs for the week, followed by Bravehearts. Tonight, we listen to the second half of an interview with Sumner Stewart. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. State officials will be meeting this morning to discuss possible changes to pandemic-related health guidelines in workplaces. Among the items on the agenda for California's Occupational Safety and Health Standards Board, whether to ease rules for masking and physical distancing for vaccinated workers. Current rules require all workers to wear masks when indoors and that employees be separated from each other by at least six feet. Just this week, Santa Clara County adopted its own workplace guidelines requiring businesses to keep track of the vaccination status of their employees. Those who are unvaccinated would have to follow stricter rules while they're at work. State lawmakers and county health officials are upset that Governor Gavin Newsom's proposed budget does not include enough money, in their view, to rebuild the state's ailing public health system. The coalition says $200 million is needed to be ready for the next crisis. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski reports. Even before the pandemic, local public health departments were stretched. Funding was cut during the recession in 2008 and was never fully restored. State Senator Richard Pan says when COVID hit, there weren't enough laboratories, supplies, or staff to tackle it. We didn't have the IT infrastructure so that you had doctors faxing test results to local health departments. Now with existing resources diverted to COVID, several counties can't keep up with tuberculosis, valley fever, and syphilis. Local health officers also say they don't have the resources to address racial health inequities. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski. One of the big headlines out of the updated state budget is that California is flush with cash. How flush? Well, Governor Gavin Newsom says there's a cash surplus of some $76 billion that's larger than the entire budget of all but three states. But nonpartisan number crunchers in Sacramento, known as the Legislative Analyst's Office, say that the way they see it, the surplus is half that much. 38 billion, not 76. So what gives? We asked KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer to help explain the discrepancy. First, just a little bit of context. You know, each year the governor releases his proposed budget, one in January and then one in May, and the LAO reviews it, they critique it, they make recommendations to the legislature in terms of spending priorities. That happens every year, and that's what happened this past week. And there's always money in the budget that's committed by law. A lot of times the voters required it to do one thing or another. The biggest is K through 12 schools, uh, along with community colleges, but also reserves, the rainy day fund. Those things are obligated. They have to be spent on those things. And so those committed funds are about $38 billion uh, right now. And, and then there's an additional $38 billion that is discretionary. And the governor and the legislature can decide how to spend that. 
And what Newsom did is he included that money already obligated by law to the other half to come up with the $76 billion. He's not wrong. It's just a little bit misleading. And the LAO is saying, well, we never include that money in the surplus. So really what they're disagreeing about is how much of that windfall of revenue is really surplus. And I know you talked to both the LAO and the governor's Department of Finance. What did they say about this dramatic difference between the numbers? Yeah, well, they kind of downplayed it a bit. I talked to Ann Hollingshead uh, in the LAO's office. She's their principal fiscal analyst. And she said, first of all, you need to understand one thing. The term surplus does not have you know, kind of a legal or even formal budgetary definition. So this is just an informal word that, you know, we use to describe the condition of the budget. So right away, a little bit squishy. Uh, and the word surplus is really just a way to characterize the status of the budget. Uh, the total amount of revenue, there's really not that much disagreement, uh, which is something that H.D. Palmer, the spokesman for the Department of Finance, said. If you're looking at the $38 billion figure that the legislative analyst indicated was the non-school, non-reserve amount of money and compared to the governor's budget. They said after excluding those amounts, our surplus estimates are nearly the same. So they're really going out of their way to say, eh, this is really much to do about nothing. His rationale for including the extra billions obligated to schools is that the Constitution says how much to spend, but not how to spend it. So it really is discretionary. So here we are in the middle of a recall campaign, and no matter how you slice it, California has a very large surplus. So how is Governor Newsom and his many opponents on the Republican side, how are they using the size of this surplus in their campaigns? Yeah, well, when the lower LAO number came out, a reporter for a national news outlet tweeted that the governor had, quote, miscalculated the surplus and mistakenly doubled it. Well, that was wrong, and she later apologized, took down the tweet, but it went viral. And so you started seeing words like lie, and deceived, referring to Newsom. Kevin Faulkner, the Republican who's running for governor, accused Newsom of using smoke and mirrors, you know, to come up with his numbers. We just can't trust him, he said. And Newsom, of course, is touting this larger number, the $76 billion. He held a whole series of news conferences. He's doing ads, cutting it, talking about the tax rebates, uh, rent forgiveness for renters, uh, and all these positive things. But, uh, you know, the GOP is saying, look, Newsom is trying to buy votes with all these programs he's proposing. And Faulkner says that, you know, this just shows the taxes are too high and he's calling for eliminating income tax uh, for middle income earners. All right, Scott Schaefer, KQED's politics editor. Thank you. You're welcome. Turning to tech, Amazon has announced it's extending a global ban on police use of its facial recognition technology product until further notice. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. Amazon announced a one-year moratorium on recognition during nationwide racial justice protests last June. Facial recognition tech is notorious for racial bias baked into the code. IBM and Microsoft have taken similar positions, but that's three companies among hundreds in the Bay Area and beyond. Attorney Matt Cagle is with the ACLU of Northern California. Now Congress needs to act. Now the California legislature needs to act to make sure that This kind of policy is in place for all companies, not just an Amazon or not just an IBM. San Francisco, Oakland and Berkeley have banned the technology to the extent they can, which is to say in a limited piecemeal fashion. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered 
from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for this Thursday, May 20th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, everyone. CAL FIRE announced today that it's suspending all burn permits in Nevada, Yuba, and Placer counties. In a release, the agency cited the increasing fire danger posed by the high volume of dead grass and hotter, drier conditions in the region. This suspension takes effect on Monday, May 24, 2021, at 8 a.m., and bans all residential outdoor burning of landscape debris such as branches and leaves. While outdoor burning of landscape debris by homeowners is no longer allowed, CAL FIRE is asking residents to take extra time to ensure that they are prepared for wildfires by maintaining a minimum of 100 feet of defensible space around their homes and any outbuildings on their property. They also ask citizens to be prepared to evacuate if the time comes. The Sacramento Bee reports today that the town of Loomis has emerged as an unlikely real estate hotspot as more people migrate to the Placer County foothills. The median home price in Loomis is $800,000, up roughly 32% since last year alone. With its large lots and proximity to both nature and a big city, Loomis is just the kind of setting that is increasingly attractive to teleworkers, Bay Area refugees, and others seeking to escape the crowds after a year of pandemic. The Nevada County Coronavirus Dashboard lists six new COVID-19 cases today. 132 are currently active, and three people are listed as hospitalized. And now looking at regional weather... For Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 11 p.m., then mostly cloudy, becoming mostly clear with a low around 41 degrees. There will be a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms tomorrow after 11 a.m., then mostly sunny with a high near 64. For our friends in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, snow showers, mainly before 11 p.m., Some thunder is also possible with a low around 26. On Friday, we'll see scattered snow showers before 3 p.m., then scattered rain and snow showers, becoming partly sunny with a high near 46. And for Sacramento, Woodland, and the surrounding areas, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 52. Tomorrow should be mostly sunny with a high near 76. Next, let's listen to Hospitality House's needs for the week, followed by Bravehearts. Tonight is the second half of an interview with Sumner Stewart, a young man who lives in the woods. Hi, I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. And tomorrow is the last chance to double your impact. Local donors are matching all gifts to Hospitality House up to $25,000. 
This means a donation of $5 will automatically become $10 and can help provide meals to 10 homeless individuals in need. Act now by donating through hhshelter.org or call 530-615-0852. Now on to the needs of the shelter for this week are PPE mask and gloves, blankets, twin size, new pillows, bottled water, toilet paper, paper towels, men and women's shorts, all sizes, men and women's tank tops, women's underwear, sizes small, medium, and large, men's underwear, boxers, sizes medium, large, and extra large, men's t-shirts, women's casual summer dresses, shampoo, and conditioner. Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place, located in the Brunswick Basin, past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of Brave Hearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Brave Hearts. This is part two of Sumner Stewart. And, you know, a part of my um, being homeless is and not having a family to retreat to or to return to or have the support of is that my family, there, no one in my family is a professional or trained physician, psychologist, psychiatrist, um, social worker. None of them have the skill set or the education, not even an inkling of an education in the area of mental psychology. And they've insisted on diagnosing me with mental disorders for characteristic behavior that has plagued me since my traumatic brain injury at four years old. And so I don't connect with them because they believe that I have personality disorders where I actually have brain disorder. It's actually an injury and it's been told to me three dozen times or more, you know, just ever so often you know you used to smile in pictures until the age of four and then you stopped smiling and that was right about the time that I had my brain injury and so I stopped smiling I I lost the ability to oh I'm checking in with myself I'm checking in with the other I can see their motivation you know even as a child having that capacity oftentimes you're like oh well you know you don't really become an adult until you become an adult well, right now, I'm childish. I am at the nature of being a child because I only have the development up to that point and possibly no further. Or some negative, very negative, and other uh, abuse that came from not being able to respond correctly. So, do you know what your wants and needs are right now? 
it's not likely. I mean, I might want to drink something. I might want to or feel the need for or be attracted to or make a decision upon, but I don't know if that's the right thing. And I don't know if other people are able to do it any better, but for me, wants and needs gets into uh, a very abstract realm. And a lot of hypothecation, hypothesizing, living in hypotheticals. And so it's like, oftentimes it's like, you know, you want to live the dream or you want to, you know, be awake, be present, or you want to be absent. Like people want all sorts of things or they want to be real or they want illusion. I don't know if you like, oh, I want this illusion because like that like has a part of it is like, the inability to comprehend reality or the inability to make true sense of things. Um, Is there anything concrete you want? Do I want concrete? Like um, stuff. Uh, you know, you don't have much stuff either. Uh, like concrete, I mean, do I have to take it with me? Yeah. Do I have to, you know, do I have to hold on to it? Do mm -hmm. I have to report it to the government? <laughs> do I have to? You know, it's a whole different thought pattern. Oh yeah, well, like material structure. Like, what do I have to do with it? There are, you know, of course, they're like, oh, be creative, oh, be innovative. Uh, but the part of the executive function is the ability to be creative and imaginative. And so I'm not very creative or imaginative. What would you like people to know about what it's what this experience is like? What I would like people to know about the experience of homelessness, of surviving, of being at the mercy and forgiveness and compassion of everyone is that it's, it's electrifying. It's like skydiving every day. It's unexpected. It's not what others would have for you. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. Four years ago, two dear friends moved away from this charming little gold rush town. We'd had one summer of terrible smoke, but not the big scary fires close by yet. We'd started to appear on magazine lists of top ten cute towns in California but the river wasn't horribly crowded or lined with trash by mid-July. My friends were visiting this week, so I got to see them in person, which was lovely. They moved away for different reasons, but now that the exodus is building fast, I'm thinking about the life cycle of towns and the varied directions of climate refugees. Our popularity grows, and then the roads get widened, and in conclusion, this isn't the same place I moved to 25 years ago. And it's definitely not the same place Gary Snyder moved to more than 50 years ago. 
which is what happens in certain parts of the world. It's fairly predictable. There are more people everywhere. Small towns are appealing, nostalgic, and sometimes more affordable than city dwellings. So if they have reasonable Wi-Fi, newcomers pay more than the asking price for a three-bedroom within walking distance of downtown. This week, the average time for a house to change hands here was nine days, and the median price was $341 per square foot. I went and stood on my kitchen floor when I heard this, inside a 12 by 12 tile, and said, $341? What does this even mean? Everyone I talk to locally is wondering whether to leave and when. Will their own house burn? Will their neighborhood? Will the whole town, thereby poisoning the groundwater so we all have to relocate? This is not exactly tightrope walking, but it does force a regular review of the data. If you're not planning an imminent move, with COVID restrictions opening up, everyone's jonesing to travel. Should we go somewhere now before fire season really opens? If you have pets or livestock, you can't just get a friend to feed them. You have to find someone who's willing to catch them for evacuation because you're in Sayulita. The whole business gives me a stomachache that won't go away. For solace, I retreat into the shimmering present moment of writing poems, but I can't stay there 24-7, nor should I. Not facing uncertainty will give you an ulcer as fast as the uncertainty itself will, or so I am told. For decades, we've seen refugee populations fleeing their countries with only what they could carry. This is the first time I've seen people of means relocate in such numbers and in reaction to a threat. Yes, some are also moving because the pandemic taught us that working remotely was doable, so they don't have to be near their jobs. And yes, there was the great migration of Black Americans north from the Jim Crow southern states, although that wasn't mentioned in my history books in the 1960s. I'm imagining some of that group had means, but most did not. What's going on where you live? Are people starting to move away? Are you in one of the places they're heading to? like Bozeman, Montana, or Burlington, Vermont? Or like us, are you experiencing both? Are your bags packed too? How are you coping? Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That concludes our newscast tonight. The KVMR Evening News airs Monday through Friday from 6 to 6.30 and can be heard again at our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. We get support from Alpine Allergy and Auburn Dermatology Center. Dr. Michael McCormick, specializing in diagnosis and management of asthma and allergy for adults and children, Sierra College Boulevard, Grass Valley. 
Dr. Allison McCormick, offering dermatological dermatological care for adults and children at Auburn Dermatology Center. And Weiss Brothers Nursery, offering locally grown greenhouse direct spring veggie starts with no growth regulators, also non-GMO varieties of tomatoes, peppers, squash, and melons. Open daily at 8.30 a.m., Weiss Brothers Nursery on Maltman Drive in Grass Valley. Coming up next, Mark Cunaberti brings you Money Matters. Tonight, Mark explores the inflation conundrum. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thanks very much for supporting your community radio station. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a good night. <laughs>